You are Locked On Bills, your daily Buffalo Bills podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Bills Mafia? It's Joe Marino from the Draft Network, and I'm your host of Locked On Bills. Welcome to a special edition of the podcast where Unfortunately, we have a lot to discuss when it comes to the Buffalo Bills injury situation coming out of the Miami game and into the Baltimore game. You know who's here. It's Dr. Kyle Trimble. He runs bangedupbills.com. You can follow him on Twitter at bangedupbills, and we just have a lot to sort through here today. So, Kyle, thanks for giving us some of your time, and, and let's get into this injury report, this once again lengthy injury report. It feels like we have. Um, been uh, regressing back to normal when it comes to injuries in the NFL after several really good seasons. Uh, so let's sort through it here today. I want to start with the defensive backs. I am at least optimistic that the Bills could get both Jordan Poyer and Dane Jackson back this week. I know that you'll give us the truth, but uh, can you affirm some positivity that a couple of Bills starting defensive backs could be back in the fray against a quarterback like Lamar Jackson? They're certainly trending in the right direction, uh, especially after Jackson with his scary hit on uh, Monday night against the Tennessee Titans. Uh, they said all scans were fine when he went back, and once he knew that he was in the clear with everything, it just comes down to more soreness and trying to get back up to things. Uh, J- Jackson's been doing the interview rounds with all the beat reporters. Uh, I've seen different stuff that he's been a week or two away, whether that's a week being this Sunday or you know next week against the Steelers. That remains to be seen. But he's been in the non-contact jersey since uh, return to practice this week. So I would imagine they want to get him out and get some contact to see how his neck feels before they put him back out there. So we're recording this you know, prior to Friday's practice, and so we haven't seen how he is. But I would hope that they would want to at least get you know, more than one practice. But they know what they're doing there. Um, they're very conservative with, with some of the injuries and considering the nature of what Jackson had. Um, if there's any doubt, I would hope that they would keep him out. Uh, for another game, but we'll see what Friday's practice brings. But if he doesn't play this week, it's going to be next week for sure, just because how he's been trending. Uh, as for Jordan Poyer, uh, he has a foot injury. We don't know what side he was questionable heading into the game against Miami before uh, news came out from Jeremy Fowler of ESPN that he would be out for Sunday's game. This comes down to whether he feels he can go or not. I'm sure Poirier feels he can, but with how DeMar Hamlin and Jaquan Johnson played last week, do you give the veteran another week to rest up? I know he's fighting for a new contract. He wants to be out there to prove himself, but he has to be ready to be able to play you know, later on in the season and even in the next season if he wants that new contract. So do you give him another week to rest, especially with how the footing's going to be at M&T Stadium? Um the brain's coming up from Hurricane Ian, and it's going to be wet and rainy um, in the mid-60s. So they have a natural grass turf, and that could be poor footing for him. So is he going to be slipping and sliding all over the place, having to pull a lot of stress through his uh, foot to keep upright? That remains to be seen. So I, I hope that he could play, but I wouldn't be surprised if he does sit out one more week just to make sure he's right because it is a long season. All right. Well, so maybe one of them. Uh- <laughs> It's kind of what I got there. Maybe one of them. I would say this with the Dane Jackson stuff. Obviously, a a scary moment. A guy leaves the field in an ambulance. Really kind of rough-looking hit to watch and how he was contorted there. But 
it was always precautionary, right? Like, I just want to make sure that we kind of cover our bases here based on just this, the optics of that moment, because everything was precautionary and it just kind of came back to him being sore, which you would fully understand based on that hit. But if there's nothing structurally wrong, it's just a matter of him getting to a point where he's comfortable reinserting himself into full contact situations where for as bad as it looked, there's really nothing wrong. More or less. Yeah. So like you said, precautionary, that's a Canadian C-spine rule. They want to immobilize if there's a suspected cervical cervical spine injury. So you do that. I don't want to say often because we don't see it too often where the ambulance has to come out in the field, but is protocol for them to go about that route with the ambulance, neck immobilizer, everything, just to make sure they're not having anything immediate going on. And then once they roll that out, then they're good to go. Uh, unfortunately, we saw that last night with Tua uh, Tagovailoa, which is a whole nother podcast and discussion and whatnot but we did see the same thing happen with him last night he was released from the hospital with a uh, neck uh, brace and he was cleared with just a concussion so but just that's how it rolls but that's a proven system that works with motor vehicle accidents football injuries anything mm -hmm. that is a suspected cervical spine injury christian benford uh fractured hand if i'm not mistaken was able to get kind of wrapped up and and played special teams but not corner What's uh, this is one that I really need you for? Like, what do we need to be anticipating in terms of his availability? Could he dress and just play teams? Would they want to commit a roster spot on game day to that? Uh, what's your what can you tell us about Christian Benford and his hand injury? So, he suffered a right hand uh, fracture uh, sometime late in the second quarter. It wasn't really all that clear on film. Um, I had managed to pinpoint down what I thought was the play, but it was it was rather innocuous. I came up and blocked the guy and I don't know if he just hit it just right that it broke like, or if he did something off the uh, screen that we didn't see, but he came back, had it wrapped up like you'd said, and then played special teams. while Jamarcus Ingram played cornerback. So he had surgery on Tuesday and he's been out of practice and based off the, um, Based off the bandaging and the brace that he has on, it looks like it's more of a metacarpal fracture, which is the long bones of the hand that connect the knuckles down to the wrist area. Uh, same type of injury we saw with Dawson Knox last year. So mm. we know Dawson Knox missed three total weeks last year with that injury, though he had to be able to catch the football and have no pain when he was doing his activities there. So Knox also had the benefit of having to buy, so he missed two games. Unfortunately, Benford has the the bye week more in week seven so that he might end up missing more games there. So I was playing this in my mind to go, can he come back and return to play sooner? Yeah, he could. Does the team want to, do they want to limit him and make him one handed essentially out there? Or if he could play special teams, I don't know what they want to do with that. He could return to play, I believe in week six against Kansas city, but do you maybe keep him out and bring him back in week eight after the bye and allow him to have the full use of hand? I would think as a rookie developing him, I won't think you want to have him develop poor habits because he's playing through an injury, but you also have a clear, you have a, a needed roster space there. You don't want to waste that. You want to get a healthy body out there. So I like the idea that he could go out and play special teams, but it just comes down to how they feel and what he's able to do. So not the most clear cut answer, but there's variables that we have to consider that we don't know what they're going to move forward with that. So either week six or week eight based on what they want to do with the club. And it's going to be interesting to see how they sort all this out with Benford. And then, of course, we're expecting Trey White back within the next month or so at some point. So um, this corner situation's rough right now, but it seems like they should be getting healthier. And then 
kind of having some decisions to make on, on playing time. Uh, let's let's shift our focus to the defensive tackle position, where there's a couple of guys on this list. Ed Oliver, ankle. He's been limited in practice all week. He missed, of course, the game on Sunday against Miami. And then Jordan Phillips, hamstring injury, hasn't practiced all week. I don't feel good there at all. I feel like even McDermott kind of told us that this is maybe something that's a more of a week-to-week thing and, and more of a next-week thing before we start to really get excited about Jordan Phillips coming back. So your thoughts on Oliver and Phillips in this defensive tackle situation? So well, Phillips first, because this can be the more simple explanation. Uh, he went down on the Matt Milano pick six that sealed the game for the week two Tennessee Titans game. Um, he didn't practice all last week. He hasn't been practicing all this week. Like McDermott says, week to week thing. We see them take this approach with the hamstrings, especially early on the season. Um, even if this was late in season playoffs, I don't know that Phillips would be playing. It's hard to tell severity of the hamstring strain on video alone, but then we get the practice reports that gives us a little bit more idea what's going on there. So he's not going to play on Sunday. I just don't see how he could, especially with not having practice the past two weeks here. Um, hopefully he gets limited practice and kind of ramps his way back up, but they want to be cautious early in the season. And the fact that he's had hamstring injuries back in 2020 that cost him a big chunk of time uh, with the Arizona Cardinals. As for Ed Oliver, he's still dealing with a right ankle injury. Uh, at the time of the injury, I thought he suffered a, a medial ankle sprain, which doesn't happen too often, but they, they do happen. Uh, however, uh, Ed Oliver was talking with uh, Rochester's uh, News 8, Thad Brown, and he had said he had a high ankle sprain. So the mechanism was there, but it wasn't a clear mechanism. Um, if you recall John Brown back in 2020 playing against the Cardinals, he suffered also a high ankle sprain that put him on IR for three weeks at the time when the rules were that. It didn't appear to be a high ankle sprain, but it was. So, you know, moving forward with me, anytime I see that potential mechanism, I'm going to assume high ankle more than a medial ankle sprain. So lesson learned, but I don't like what I'm seeing from all of our practice is ankle really heavily taped because that syndesmosis, the, the ligament structures that hold the tibia and fibula together over the top of the talus, which is makes a part of the foot ankle complex. Every time you step through that, it's like a wedge pushing between the tibia and fibula. So you don't want to go stressing it too much and cause more instability and more pain, but he needs to be able to push off that foot effectively to drive forward. So could he benefit from another week? Absolutely. It's just whether they could think he can get out there and perform. And once again, with that poor footing that I talked about with Jordan Poyer at M&T Bank Stadium, do you put him out there and have him struggle or just let him get back to it? They've been doing okay without him. Um, and the run game isn't as good in the Baltimore standpoint, as we've seen in other uh, games, especially against uh, Derrick Henry and whatnot. So I, I think it remains to be seen what happens with uh, Ed Oliver come uh, Sunday. BetOnline.net is your number one source for football betting information this season. You can find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth articles and analysis on every game you can find. And as always, Bet Online remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. It's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf. So head to BetOnline.net or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet Online, it's where the games start. So folks, you don't want to be that guy that is uh, proposing on a pier at the ocean and you drop the ring, and it falls into the water, and the engagement ring is gone. 
Well, folks, you got to check out Bright Co. Jewelry Insurance. They will make sure if that happens to you that you get a replacement for the full value of that ring, no matter if it's lost, stolen, or you just can't figure out what happened to it. Go to bright.co forward slash locked on. It's the fastest, easiest, and cheapest way to cover yourself with the best jewelry insurance in the business. These guys over at Brightco are geniuses. They made buying insurance for your engagement ring, your watch, or whatever so easy you can get covered in minutes on your cell phone. You won't find a better deal on great coverage that's super affordable. Bright.co forward slash locked on. We all hate insurance, right? Well, these guys over at Brightco turned the whole experience around, so it's probably the fastest and easiest thing you can do for yourself this week. There's no excuses for five bucks a month. You can get totally comprehensive coverage, and it won't take more than two minutes on your cell phone. Check it out, bright.co forward slash locked on. All right, so as we shift gears to the offensive side of the football, there's a couple of Bills offensive linemen that we need to address here. Ryan Bates didn't finish the game last week with a concussion, and then Mitch Morse didn't play in the game with an elbow injury. Um, we getting these guys back this week or, or another week of shorthanded Bills offensive line? They look to be trending in the right direction. I know I use that phrase a lot, but <laughs> Morse, he was practicing last week and he was a surprise uh, inactive, um, which I really thought he would play because it looked like he just hit his elbow against the Tennessee Titans, did come back and play and continued snapping. So uh, I wonder if they would be more conservative when they kept him out of the week three Miami contest, but he's been moving around. I couldn't tell whether he had a bigger brace on his right elbow uh, during practice just because he usually wears his elbow wraps um, all the time. But I'd be surprised if he doesn't play on Sunday. I mean, he's def definitely necessary. Uh, he's a linchpin of that offensive line. Uh, as for Ryan Bates, he did have the concussion uh, late in third quarter. Uh, it looked like he was almost dealing more heat-related issues, but they said he did have a head injury and they evaluated for that. What I liked is that he did not practice on Wednesday, but that was limited on Thursday. He had the guardian cap on, the non-contact jersey, but he was in with drills and and performing contact. So they can start doing contact uh, once they've kind of progressed through the concussion protocol. And once they know that they're not having symptoms with that contact, then they can be cleared and, and progress on. So he looks to be trending in the right direction. Uh, the only reason why he wouldn't play on Sunday is if he did have a setback from that contact. And um, they said, hey, let's hold you out another week there. But he looks to be trending in the right direction, and I think both will play on Sunday. There's one other offensive lineman to mention here, and it's the new addition, uh, Justin Murray, 29 years old. A lot of experience over the last three years. Um, I guess I was relatively surprised that he was available given the need out there for offensive line depth across the NFL, but then we learned that he does have a foot injury. Maybe that kind of played into his availability. I'm guessing you might not know much here, but if you do, we'd love to hear it. So yeah, it was definitely interesting. I thought he was just going to be limited because he's trying to ramp up there. They're not going to give a guy an injured designation just to say that you know they have it. Like I think they'd be more forthright with that. But he did have an ankle injury suffered in the first week of August that missed two three weeks uh, when he was with the Cardinals during the preseason. He ended up getting an injury settlement at the end of training camp. So the fact that they let him rehab and then caught him at the end of the camp with an injury settlement and then he signs prior to week four says. It says it was enough that they don't want to have him around, but that he could come back out and play. So you got to wonder whether maybe he's trying to rush back because knowing, hey, it's a contract I can play, and maybe he's not fully ready. Though it's important to note that it was an ankle that the Cardinals had said, but then the Bills are saying foot. So I don't know if it's the same issue, but that might be a 
breadcrumb as to why he's dealing with a foot injury. But I don't know that he would play even a week four, just having been signed earlier this week. Well, I guess we get to keep talking about ankles as we shift our focus to the Bills wide receiver core. Jake Kumaro um, got injured during the Miami game, and I think that was a pretty big deal that he went down because it put a lot more stress on the other receivers available to run a ton of routes. I mean, what are you talking about, like 60-something passing plays, maybe more? Uh, that's a lot of routes in that South Florida sun. Uh, so his injury wound up being, I think, a, a pretty significant one for Buffalo. Hasn't practiced all week with an ankle injury. And then Gabriel Davis, we know that he's kind of been hobbled with an ankle, limited on Wednesday, and it appears maybe um, that he re-injured it or something happened with that ankle and he didn't practice at all on Thursday. So uh, I don't I don't feel good about either of these players right now. And with with Gabe especially, you just kind of you kind of just wanted to get right so that way you can be f- at full strength at some point here, as opposed to this, you know, this reduced version of him and and kind of taking away from what he really offers as a player. Absolutely. So we're going to hit up on uh, Jake Kumaro first. Um, he went out uh, early in the first quarter with a left high ankle sprain. It was pretty apparent on film. The question was whether it was a knee or ankle, and they designated it as an ankle. And the team even said he had a high ankle sprain. So I don't expect him to return until after the bye just because of how those high ankles take. Uh, we see them plenty around the, the league, and we know that when guys try to play through them, they're just not as effective. Um, and Kumaro needs his speed so if he can't push off that ankles effectively it just robs him of a lot of what he can do uh as for uh gabe davis uh john scott spectrum news did highlight that it looked like he slipped on a route on wednesday's practice and then he was held on thursday's practice just off to the side going from a limited down to do not play uh, did not participate designation so it's unfortunate that davis is still working through this injury we know that they just don't disappear and they kind of slowly get better with that but in the case of Davis, he had a similar trajectory last year. He suffered a ankle injury the same side in week one against the Steelers and then kind of struggled through the season until he finally got right there. So um, considering what Davis brings to the room, it's it's great that you know he could try to go out there and play, but do you try to save him knowing it's a long season? Um, it's also worth noting when Jake Kumaro went down, they had put Gabe Davis out there, and I think he played something like 90% of the snaps, mm-hmm. which it, that's a lot of snaps for a guy coming off a, a injury. And from what I understood and kind of just saw what they're doing, he was supposed to be on a pitch count. But we know when injuries occur, sometimes it's, hey, you're you're able to get out there. You know the plays, get out there and play. We saw that with um, uh, Mitch Morse uh, when he had his, uh, I believe it was concussion, you know, he went out with concussion and John Felicio almost come back for his pectoral injury. He was supposed to be on a pitch count. Morse goes out and suddenly Felicio is playing the whole game. So we know that there's some play with those pitch counts. Yeah, that's unfortunate. There's just such a trickle. Down. When you have injuries, it's just such a trickle down impact to your roster that now it stresses other players. And so uh, this has been annoying. I'm not going <laughs> to I'm not going to lie. I have not enjoyed all these injury conversations we have to have. Uh, and we're still not done today. I, I do want to ask you about Dawson Knox, who it feels like um, he's playing, but it's it's not just one thing. It's a lot of different things at this point uh, has been limited this week with a back and a hip injury. Yeah, I don't have a ton of stuff on uh, Knox. I did see a video clip that he got blasted by somebody. Um, I, I don't have a ton of information on him, but back and hip suggests, okay, did you just get hit down and just you know dealing with bruising through that area? Because when you get hit around that area and you fall hard on your butt, you, you feel it for a few days. Ask anybody in Western New York during uh, the wintertime. So um, regarding Knox, though, I, I don't know whether – I don't know what would stop him from playing on Sunday, 
but he's also dealing with that uh, right foot injury he suffered against the Tennessee Titans in week two. And he might just be more of a limited guy, get out there in red zone packages, get out there when you need certain plays, but you know, let the Tommy Sweeney get out there, let Quentin Morris get out there, Reggie Gilliam and try to let them play a little bit more. But um, Knox needs to get right. And that bye week can't come soon enough. Yeah, we, we, I wasn't happy about the early season bye week until now, right? Where you feel like you just need it so badly, but the bills have three games until that buy. So it's close, but it's also still out there uh, a ways. And we can just kind of keep our fingers crossed that there's nothing new that uh, is added to these reports. Um, I do want to touch real quick on a couple of guys that have been lost for the season. Um, since we've last spoke, um, Micah Hyde and Tommy Doyle, let's start with Tommy Doyle torn ACL. It felt like a big surprise when Coach McDermott announced this on Monday because we didn't see anything during the game. Like, I don't remember him being down and carted off the field or anything like that. So it's like, oh, boom, here it is. Tommy Doyle torn ACL. He's out for the season. Uh, what can you tell us on that situation? So Doyle, he suffered a right uh, ACL tear. <clears throat> the only reason we know that is because it, it took some time to find the film. I had found what looked to be a potential knee injury with uh, about 50 seconds left in the fourth quarter. Uh, this was on the Gabe Davis pass. They dropped right about where, like if you go back to the, the game, there's a field goal line. He was very close to it. He dropped the pass. That was a play it happened on. So you can go back and look at the film there. But what happens is Doyle um, is against his defensive uh, assignment. I can't remember who it was, but the guy kind of blows right past him and Doyle kind of gets just twisted down and it looked like he had suffered a left knee injury based off the the broadcast angle there. So uh, thankfully, Thad Brown of um, Rochester News 8 um, sent me an All-22 clip because we know that NFL Plus All-22 isn't great to work with there. But he went through the film and he said, hey, look at this. And he had shown me a All-22 view where Doyle's backing up. He pivots on the right leg. And it, it goes down and that's why he got spun down and the defensive uh, lineman was able to get by him so easily. So they, we know he has a torn ACL. He's going to be out for the season, but that just gives us more context of when it happened. And what's impressive is that he played through the last you know five or six snaps of the game there, which isn't unheard of. We saw Harrison Phillips try to do the same thing when he tore his ACL. It's like, Hey, the game's almost over. I'm going to try to just get out there and finish the game. It's also possible that Doyle might not have known what he did until he kind of gets checked up the next day or, you know, say, man, my hmm. knee's swollen up. What's going on? And they do some further testing and imaging and they find the, the tear. So kudos to Doyle for going out and at least finishing the game and giving the Bills a chance to get out there and play because they didn't have anybody else to play offensive tackle. Um, but it's just unfortunate. But based off the timelines and we're seeing with everything, he should be ready to go for week one next year and be able to participate in training camp without any pup designation barring any unexpected additional damage. So we don't know uh, that at the time. And then well, okay. Micah Hyde. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We, we, um, we spoke about him last week, but now we know he's out for the season neck injury. Um, I think Micah has got a little bit of a history with neck injuries, good reports from his agent and, and even Micah himself on social media indicating that, you know, he, he's focused on being ready to go in 2023 um, but uh, just your assessment on his overall status and any implications long-term here. So it's, it's unfortunate. You know, last week when I was on the show, I, I wanted to be mindful of the words I was using because there was a serious you know, consideration with that. I mean, neck injuries are scary. You know, the, the, the team has had a, um, the team history with Aaron Williams, Eric uh, Wood, and even the Sabres, Jack Eichel, we have to be mindful of that, just how they, 
that it, that history impacts our reaction to these injuries. So we know it's a herniated disc in the neck based off of the wording and how he's going to be back in 2023. It sounds like it's more um, lower cervical and that'll allow him to come back with a fusion and um, you know, not have any issues. We've seen plenty of guys come back with a fusion, Peyton Manning, uh, DK Metcalf, um, a lot of other guys that if I really dug into, I could find more of them, but it's a normal thing for guys to come back with a fusion and then play and have you know normal careers. Uh, they do say after a cervical fusion, the average uh, career length is about three years afterward, but there's a lot of factors that, that go into that, you know, how old the guy is and position and, you know, where he's at in terms of his um, just over his, his, his career. So it's not saying there's a finite timeline on him to return after that. He is older though. So that's something we have to factor in. Um, it's, the pre previous neck injuries that could have led to it. I'd also said that sometimes neck injuries aren't cumulative. In this case, he might've had a herniated disc that was kind of just managed. wasn't going to cause a problem. He's been out in previous practices as a, a precaution or just kind of just limiting him, just make sure it doesn't aggravate everything. So this might've been the hit that kind of just set everything over the edge. We don't know. They, they probably won't ever tell us. Maybe they will, but um, it's really unfortunate, but at least they have the the tools to get him right, and they knew what they're looking at right away instead of trying to get him out there and play and, and damaging, um, causing further damage and and maybe ending his career. Well, Doctor Kyle Trimble, you are the best and the worst. You're the you're the <laughs> best guy to talk to about the worst possible stuff. Um, we do appreciate you giving us your time here. Obviously, a lot to sort through, and I keep saying it, but I hope we have a lot less to talk about next week. Uh, thanks again for coming on. Thank you, Joe.